This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Hansen. Thurley Ruxton by Philip Virrell Miguels. Chapter 43 A Joy Resisted. Stivern came running to the place, the gravest fears overwhelming his sense of reflection. One impression only was his mind prepared to accept. A second foe had accomplished what the others had earlier failed to perform. The pistol gleaming in her hand sent a newer shock to his heart. He bent down at once, and raising Thurley's head, made a quick examination which revealed no sign of a wound. The bullet had done no harm. Thurley had struck on a frozen clod, and the blow had stunned her senses. Stivern could not determine, however, the nature extent of her injuries, and feared they were the worst. His mind was possessed by the thought of menace in all that wintry scene. He felt the most urgent necessity for getting her back to the car and far away without another moment's loss of time. He attempted to lift her prostrate form, but his wrist was far too weak. He merely succeeded in rolling her over and raising her head to his knee, but that was sufficient. Thoroughly returned to consciousness with astonishing celerity. Once more her position was altered. She opened her eyes and looked at Stivern wistfully, as if some fear that she had only dreamed of this deliverance were coloring all her thoughts. "'You're hurt,' he said gravely. "'What happened?' She could not immediately answer, but she presently said, "'I fell. I was running to you with something, with your pistol. That was it.' She raised herself abruptly, staring about her with blazing eyes. "'Where are they?' she cried a little weakly. "'But how have you—' "'I thought I saw you fall. Oh, let's not wait another minute.' Her nightmare of fears and horrors had rushed upon her relentlessly, with consciousness fully returned. She struggled swiftly to her feet, her aspect one of alarm and apprehensions. "'We're safe, at least from pursuit,' he said, glancing far across the field of snow to the place where the nihilists had fallen. "'But we'll go at once and try to catch a train.' With the pistol recovered and placed in his pocket, he threw off the cloak that had served them both, and supporting her arm with the left hand, uninjured, conducted her back to the car. "'I shall have to ask you to drive,' he said, a grim little smile, for a second curving his lips. "'My hand is down and out again, from my hurry to get it back into use.' Thurley was glad to take the wheel and start the car in motion. "'What happened?' she said, still breathlessly excited. "'How did you manage to escape? "'Oh, when I saw them after you, I felt the most awful sensations in the world.' He told her a little of the happenings and how he had wrecked the car. He placed the furs about them both to protect her from the wind, and at last he smiled again. "'For the third fateful time you drive the car in my place, as I feared you might.' but as neither could have expected. She looked at him once more in her wistful way, a way that went straight to his heart. But you do think this is the last of 
these frights that the charms is satisfied she asked there will be no more like this with accident or horror in it all no more he answered solemnly and yet each time has drawn us nearer together the colour burned up in her pallid cheeks superbly a flash of the thoroughly he had known and must love though time and space and the greater abyss of hopeless separation attempted to dim its flame her eyes met his for a wonderful second and both souls knew the deeps of love wherein they floated alone the words he had spoken when they parted in the road that swift declaration of his loyalty love and devotion echoed anew in her welcoming heart and filled all her pulses with joy she thrilled to the words he uttered now his grave recognition that the fates had drawn their two unwitting selves together knitting a bond between their deepest spirits with a strength they could not resist yet even here after all she had recently endured she could not forget her word to alice van kirk nor fully accept this wonderful happiness vouchsafed in the wintry desolation we have had some extraordinary experiences together she answered smiling faintly it makes it seem as if we have known each other always stivern had swiftly taken flame love bounded and surged in his veins he felt that more than any one living he had rights in thoroughly's life and happiness rights that no other could assume we have known each other always he said as two souls must when life and chance yes nature and god have wrought to fulfil such meetings destinies such comradeship as ours he placed his hands on hers that grasped the wheel thoroughly i told you back in the road oh please she begged him suddenly her eyes swiftly brimming with exquisite joy and the need to curb his declaration would you please not tell me anything now i mean just tell me how you came he felt that he understood and yet he felt she loved him divine conviction of their oneness and their sublimated passion swept like a storm upon his nature beating against the barrier he had felt and dreaded between them constraint uncertainty even pain and hurt were swiftly combined with the truths and necessities that he feared must still hold them apart yet if he somewhat sounded the happiness and heart-hunger for his love that throbbed in thurley's bosom he also felt convinced of her genuine wish to avoid the tender topic and there as in all else where her wishes lay he was helpless to act in his own behalf no matter what the penalty his disappointment burned in his eyes along with the glow of his love he could not take advantage of the situation that threw her thus helplessly upon his chivalry and his heart protesting was dumb i came because i could not hesitate he told her simply and briefly he recounted all that had happened to himself alice and the baron since the moment the abduction was complete 
thoroughly broke out from time to time with a note of surprise sympathy of indignation when she learned of pelvin's entire duplicity her worry and compassion had their expression when he told her of the long hard ride with his man and the unseen attack that had laid his chauffeur on the earth you must send a nurse at once she declared when she learned the object of his early morning excursion perhaps you could put me on a train for new york and go back with a nurse in an hour i shall take you home he answered you have told me nothing of all this atrocious business how it happened how you got away she related everything glad to share the horrors of her days and nights with one who would understand she shuddered anew over all she had endured in those final hours of escape and flight and struggle with the cold her hand went out involuntarily a second to grasp the sleeve of his coat so vivid were the moments lived again in her imagination a sacred joy leaped exultantly in his heart at the little sign of her confidence then her hand returned to the wheel again and the duty of guiding the car it was still fairly early in the morning with the sun warmly blazing from a cloudless sky at last when they came to a city on the railroad and learned that a new york limited was due in twenty minutes they phoned to alice devoured a breakfast of rolls and coffee placed the car in charge of a local garage and summoned a nurse to go at once to banks in north winnig then they were speeded home missing the carriage alice had sent to the ferry where robley had taken a taxicab at the moment of arriving a white and fluttering fairy godmother the victim of sudden reactions and relaxings of nervous strain at last clasped thoroughly somewhat hysterically to her bosom and cried for the joy she had felt was gone past all recalling robley was sent to his physician for needed attention to his wrist and the princess was finally sent to bed where she sank into slumber like a child the chapter of violent occurrences was destined to achieve a fitting close all north winning tremendously shaken by the crime committed at their very doors had aroused like a congress of sheriffs at noon in the old abandoned house where thoroughly had been imprisoned they came upon a dreadful sight where jan and zagorsky still clutching knives lay slain by one another pelevin and max had fled what duel of words recriminations and passions had preceded the deadly combat waged with steel no witness was ever to reveal mute testimony of the fierce and savage conflict between the man and woman was supplied by everything in the about the room where they had fought and the hatred of man and distrust of their kind which alone must actuate the fanatical nihilist was frozen indelibly upon their features as they lay there stark and cold end of chapter forty three